Amen. God bless you. Welcome. We're so glad you're all here. We're so thankful. Uh, it's something that I really feel like I've come back from the beach just to be thankful for you, thankful for our church, thankful for just how good God is. I don't know if you all caught the theme of this morning's worship, just how good God is and how big he is and how he's got us in his hands. And you may not know that God, but I want you to know he is revealing himself to you. And that's part of what we're going to do today is um, try, to, try to help you encounter God in a new way. Um, I do want to say for Wednesday night, we're having breakfast. Everybody say amen. Amen. It's always a good one as long as there's gravy. <clears throat> hint, hint. Um, uh, so, if y'all would, turn with me in your Bibles to Mark chapter 1. Mark chapter 1. Mark chapter 1. So, um, it's been very much thematic for Elizabeth and myself, more so for her with her teaching this Bible study. She, the, the word she's been using has been seasons. Um, I feel like me personally have, have been in a season. Of pre, uh, I don't want to sit, sit here and make it all about me today, but a difficult season. And that, that's just what they are. They're seasons. They don't last forever. And if you will stay in Scripture and stay in the Word and stay with God, it doesn't last forever, even though sometimes it feels like it does. But we go through seasons, and um, as the deacon board and myself were praying one, one day in a, in a deacon meeting, just felt like the Lord dropped a, a word into my heart. And if you've been a part of this church or been a part of uh, around me very long, I don't give many words like that. I've done it a few times, but I don't do it much. Um, but the Lord, I felt like, gave me the word wilderness. And the word wilderness is so deep for me in that um, there is a time for the wilderness. It was on purpose. The wilderness was on purpose in Jesus's ministry as well as the children of Israel. There was a reason for that wilderness. And I found myself spinning my wheels and spinning my tires and trying to get moving and I can't get moving. And finally, I felt like the Lord gave me the word wilderness. And it really gave me a peace. I, now I, don't, I can tell you right now, I don't want to stay here. I don't want to stay in the wilderness. That's not my calling to stay in the wilderness. There's a promised land for us as a church. There's a promised land for me personally. There's a promised land for you. God has a place for you. And he is leading you to that. But sometimes um, it's hard to get there without sabotaging the, the journey. Anybody here ever sabotaged their journey? Anybody here ever sabotaged their marriage? Didn't even know you were doing it? Sabotaged relationships? I'm going to back up just for a second how great Brandon does when he comes up and shares his stories and tries to help us to connect. And he talked about tomatoes. I want to, this is a complete sidetrack, so forget wilderness. We're just going to talk about tomatoes for just a second. There is a worship leader named Jason Upton. Very spontaneous, kind of like I would like to say, kind of on the strange side, kind of like you'd see Dave Matthews kind of start contorting, and his singing is just strange, and he goes off on tangents in his worship. Sometimes he loses me. Um, one time he started singing, and he was worshiping, and then all of a sudden he said, tomatoes, trying to separate. Tomatoes, tomatoes, you've got to go. Tomatoes, you've got to go. And I can remember listening to this worship, and I was loving it. And I'm like, if he is cursing tomatoes, I'm done with him as a worship leader. <laughs> and I was serious. 
But then I went and looked up the lyrics, and he was out in Oklahoma, and there was a storm coming in, and he had gotten word during worship that a tornado was coming. And in worship, he was speaking to that tornado. Powerful. But how easy it is to get off track. I'm ready to throw this guy's CD. This was back kids back in the day when we had CDs. I was ready to throw the CD away. You older people are like, are you kidding? Yeah, I had the tape decks too and the eight tracks. I go back that far and the reel-to-reel. My dad had a reel-to-reel. I never knew how to use it. But back when we had CDs, I was ready to throw it out. But I can tell you there are so many times on my pathway with God that I'm ready to throw the plan out and go back to what I know how to do and miss what it is that God's doing. Um, Liz, if you would go put that scripture up. I just ran back there and asked you to put up. This is what we went over this morning in Sunday school, and I felt like this just really helped start this whole series on the wilderness. This is from Exodus chapter 13, verse 17. Now, you know the story of Exodus where God's delivering the children of Israel from slavery, from Pharaoh, to the promised land. And I don't know if you know this, but the, plant, the, the, the process should have taken 11 days, but it took 40 years. Anybody, can anybody relate? You feel like you've gotten a word from God and you're hanging on to it, but it's taking 40 years to get there. God, what are you doing? I want you to look at what it says here. It says, when Pharaoh finally let the people go, God did not lead them along the main road that runs through the Philistine territory, even though that was the shortest route to the promised land. Leave that there just for a second. First of all, the shortest route isn't necessarily the best route, nor is it necessarily God's route. But before we get off this page, God did not lead them along the main road, even though it was the shortest route. God did not lead them that way. He's leading them a different way, a different way than you would think that would be the best way. Verse 18, God said if the people are faced with a battle, they might change their minds and return to Egypt. So he led them in a roundabout way through the wilderness toward the Red Sea. So, one thing I want you to catch is, so this wilderness experience, in my opinion, is a negative experience. Their wilderness experience was due to unbelief, was due to the... The, the 10 spies that went out, eight saw it as horrible. Two came back and said, I think we can take them. And because of their unbelief, they stayed in the wilderness for 40 years until that generation could die out. It's really, it's really a tough situation. Jesus' situation in the wilderness um, was due to what God required of him to go out after he had been baptized and filled with the, and the Spirit descended on him. He was sent out to the wilderness to be tested. I feel like that was, a, that was a teaching moment. This one here was due to some negative decisions. How many of you know there's consequences to your decisions? Believe me, I, I can say, I think you could say too, believe me, I know there are consequences to some of to all of my decisions. There's consequences. But God was still leading them. God was still there. I want you to know as we just start this series on the wilderness, God has not left you, regardless of how it feels. God hasn't left you. Now, are you struggling with trusting Him? Are you struggling with believing? Are you struggling in your faith? I'm sure. Believe me, I struggle with my belief because so many times I want to can the plan and go do it the way that I know I can do it. And what happens is I circumvent it 
and I screw it up. And then I ask God to dig me back out of it. God led them in a roundabout way because he knew where their heart was. He knew what they could take and he knew what they couldn't take. And he's saying at this point they couldn't take a battle, so he led them the long way around. So as we start, God's with you. Let's look at Mark chapter 1, verse 12. Mark chapter 1, verse 12. This is Jesus going into the wilderness. The Spirit then compelled, him, compelled Jesus to go into the wilderness, where he was tempted by Satan for 40 days. He was out among wild animals, and angels took care of him. Verse 14. Later on, after John was arrested, Jesus went into Galilee, where he preached the good news. The time promised by God had come at last. He announced, the kingdom of God is near. Repent of your sins and believe the good news. So Jesus' wilderness time immediately followed his baptism. And this powerful affirmation of God the Father speaking down to him saying, You are my son, the beloved. With you I am well pleased. Now I would like to think that at that moment, it's all dandelions and rainbows and butterflies. Right? You get baptized, God speaks a good word over you, and now everything should be smooth sailing. Well, that isn't the case at all. Immediately, Jesus was led out to the wilderness. And it says for Satan to tempt him. Did you catch that? Where he was tempted by Satan for 40 days. This wilderness time, as we see it with Jesus, is also a time for us. We cannot live and love and engage life in meaningful ways without sometimes ending up in the wilderness. And it's in the wilderness where our limits are tested. And we describe these terms as dry or desolate or lonely or trying or difficult or agonizing. In this wilderness time, we speak of hunger and thirst and longing while we're in that wilderness. And this series explores that spiritual territory. But I'm going to give you a couple, t- a couple points today that the wilderness is a time for learning. Everybody say learning. You don't have to answer this, but I want to ask you, at, just in this little bit of an intro, how many of you feel like, you know what, I think I'm in that wilderness? Well, I want you to hear me, that this wilderness time is a time for you to learn. A lot can be learned in the wilderness. Something happens when we're not in the wilderness that we're not open to learning. It's not until we're hungry and we're dry and we're desperate that we're even open to suggestions. We don't even stop to think that we need help. We never think about what really matters in our life until we wind up in the wilderness. Have you ever wound up at such a desolate point that you start to make big decisions about, I won't do this anymore, I won't do that anymore, God, if you'll just get me out of this, I won't ever do that again. There's a reason for that time is just to wake you up and to take account of where you are and what you're going through. And I want you to know, one thing of when I take account of where I am, I can notice whether God's in it or not. Is there fruit in my life? 
Is there joy and peace in my life? Or is there fear in my life? Am I afraid every time I look around? Is it dry? Is there nothing I can do to get breakthrough? I want you to know God's trying to give me a wake-up call to say, hey, I'm here. Turn to me. In this time of wilderness, turn to me. Patrick Morley in the book, The Man in the Mirror, relates this lack of clear sense of priority as we need to prioritize our lives. As someone that goes to the grocery store on an empty stomach and without a shopping list. First of all, I will not go to the grocery store without a list. Number one, I hate shopping. And number two, I hate deviating from the list. I am incredibly... I have issues. Amen. Thank you, Carl. I have issues. But what happens when you don't have a list and when you're hungry? You come back with a lot of junk. Uh, For me, it would be ice cream and crunch and munch. Enough to live on for my life. And then you get home, and I show it to the boss of the, uh, show it to the boss, and she's like, what have you done? Nothing can sustain me. It won't make me to the next day. I will be on a sugar high, and then I will crash. It will be fun. It'll be a fun road, but I can't make it. I will burn out. Jesus' time in the wilderness comes just before he begins his public ministry. And as we look at life that presents us with so many options, there are so many ways to use our resources and our time and our ability and our influence. But without a clear sense of what's important, if we cannot list out the priorities of our life, we allow everything to circumvent us. And as Jesus went out into the wilderness, it was a time for him sorting out what matters most and to get clear about what God's will was for his life. And in the account of Matthew and in Luke, we see that Jesus was tempted by wealth, by fame, and by power to try to deviate him from his mission. And as we follow Jesus into the wilderness, we can see that our own wilderness So many times is a time, an important time of testing to find out what's important in our life. And as painful as the wilderness season is, it is a time for spiritual growth. It can yield more spiritual growth than your good times. What happens is you begin to learn about yourself. You begin to learn about God, what he thinks of you what his plan is, and what's most important, and where you should be heading. Without that time of learning, life can go on without a whole lot of thought. So I want to ask you this question. What important relationships and friendships have I been putting off for future time? What is God calling me to do with my life and with what resources that he's given me? And what in my life right now am I taking for granted? Now, this is almost impossible. It's not impossible, but it's almost impossible for me to to convey to you my wilderness questions to you just sitting here in a congregation. 
these things that I'm battling with have come with a lot of pain, a lot of blood and sweat and tears, a lot of frustration. And what I would ask you, even though I'm trying to get your brain working a little bit toward thinking, just to try to think through these things, when you start to get to the end of that road, you need to start asking yourself these questions because, number one, God doesn't want you to stay there. I don't want you to stay there. Your friends and your family don't want you to stay there. I want you to know that the wilderness time, at, there, there comes a, a, point, a point in my wilderness time where it's unproductive. I need to start moving out of it. But if we're not careful, we get comfortable in the wilderness and we just crawl up, get in our bed, and stay. And I want to ask you to consider spending a little bit of quiet time with the Lord and asking Him the questions, what's important? What's important with my job, with my marriage, with my children, with my direction? God, where are you taking me? Where are we going? I will tell you, he'll just give you a couple steps. He won't show you the whole thing. You can see in that scripture, we can't handle it. He can just give us a couple steps. It says that he orders the steps of the righteous. Steps. He's going to order your step. And he wants you to know where your next step is going. He's not trying to hide that and lead you blindly. He lets us make decisions along the way. His spirit speaks to us and then we step. His spirit speaks to us and then we speak. His spirit moves in us and then we act and we move according to that. And then he blesses that, what we do. But as you're walking, start asking, God, where are you? What's most important? Where is my life headed? These are good wilderness questions. Look at 2 Corinthians chapter 4. 2 Corinthians chapter 4. See if if you identify with this. We're hard-pressed on every side. 2 Corinthians chapter 4 verse 8. Hard-pressed on every side, but not crushed. Perplexed, but not in despair. Persecuted, not abandoned. Struck down, but not destroyed. Does anybody remember this song? Um, Trading My Sorrows. It's an old 90s, 2000. I don't, I, I don't want to date it. I'll mess it up. Pressed, but not crushed. Persecuted, not abandoned. Struck down, but not destroyed. I am blessed beyond a... Anyway, so next verse. We always carry around our body in the death of Jesus so that the life of Jesus may also be revealed in our body. Next scripture. For we who are alive are always being given over to death for Jesus' sake so that his life may also be revealed in our mortal body. We all have these tough times in this wilderness testing. And each wilderness experience presents itself with difficulties and struggles. Do you remember from the first scripture we read, Mark chapter 1, verse 12? It says that when he went into the, when he went into the wilderness, he was tempted by Satan. And what was around? Does anybody remember what, what he was surrounded with? Wild animals. But then it said, but angels were there to protect him. So, in your wilderness experience right now, Are there wild animals around? 
So I never told Elizabeth this, but we just were, were at, a, at the beach. And the last two nights, I woke up to what I would have bet money that there was an animal in our room. And I'm thinking how everyone's going to react if there is. I'm not really even thinking about the problem of the animal. I'm thinking about the trauma, the drama that's going to occur as soon as anyone in this family figures it out. I mean, it sounded like a mouse in the bathtub. Multiple times. Now, I think that there might have been something crawling on the gutters. I don't know what it was. I couldn't sleep any longer. What am I going to do? Uh, I needed Justin. Justin will grab the birds in the baptistry back here and just walk out with them. I won't do that. Uh, so I want to ask you, are there wild beasts in your wilderness experience? Yes. Everybody say yes. There are. You're not the weird one. You're not the one that God says, oh, man, I can't stand you. Wild beast upon you. <laughs> nope. Jesus found himself surrounded by wild beasts. Now, you may say, well, that was Jesus. But Jesus was totally human. I believe that there was a side in him that thought, nah, uh, uh, Don't you agree that Jesus probably was thinking, uh, I'm not crazy about the wild beast, God. But it says that there were angels there with him. Mark says there are wild beasts in the wilderness. Fear crouches in the brush nearby, ready to pounce and strangle. Temptation slithers around, waiting for the opportunity to strike. And despair circles overhead, waiting to land and to devour you. Another thing I didn't tell you, I think that there were crows having a mating issue or something. They were so loud, and I bet there were 50 of them right over our room. Now, it only lasted about 10 minutes. I get up, and I wander around the property waiting for everybody to wake up, and I, I, I notice things, and then I'm thankful that they're gone by the time my family that wakes up at noon uh, notices. <laughs> Elizabeth doesn't, but the others do, and we literally didn't, don't get back out of the room until afternoon. Uh, but, and I'm literally carrying my coffee because I don't want bird droppings in my coffee. But there is the enemy waiting to devour us. You're in your wilderness time and you're struggling. I want you to know it's normal. It's normal. This is part of life. Now, you are not supposed to live forever in the wilderness. That is not normal. You have a place that God has for you. God has a great plan. But in order to walk through that plan, it's going to require some wilderness time. We are not in heaven. We are on earth. And Satan is still full at work here in the earth. Now, we've been given all power to overcome whatever Satan can throw us. But we still have the power to circumvent what God's trying to do. Do you hear me? God has given us a free will. I can still run out from under it. The prophet of God, Jonah, was being told what to do. And what did he do? He ran from it. 
and he wound up literally in the wilderness in the belly of a fish. Is that not a wilderness wake-up call? It was for his benefit to wake him up. God protected him. He wasn't threatened any longer. He was protected. Until he got his heart right, got his mind set, heard God, and began moving again. And what did the fish do? Swam him back up to shore and vomited him out. I'm sure that wasn't a pretty sight, but it's better than being in the fish. We are alive. We are alive. It's so easy to stray. But I want you to know the temptation is to give up. The temptation is to give in. Don't. In the wilderness, the temptation is to take a shortcut and to avoid the struggle, to find the easy way through. But the challenge is to go through the struggle and to go the hard way. It says narrow is the way. The easy way is for the other people. The narrow way is for God's chosen people. It's not easy. Because things have been hard in my life doesn't mean it's been absent of God. It means that I need to get on board with what God's doing. And it's going to be a struggle. Because you're struggling doesn't mean you're off. Doesn't mean God's not with you. It means you need to fight. You need to fight. You need to fight. And you need to fight with the whole armor of God. You need to take the word of God. You need to take the spirit of God. You need to take the body of Christ and fight through it. Birth is not easy. That baby has to fight through that birth canal. It is not an easy process. And you're trying to continue to walk through this rebirth process. We are saved. We are born, born again. And I want you to know walking out our salvation is walking through that struggle after struggle after struggle. The difference between us and those that don't know Christ is we come out of the struggle. Look what happens. It's because of the struggle, and I'm going to wrap up. This will be my last scripture. James chapter 1, verse 2. Look at this. This is one of my favorite scriptures. I taught on this for so much way back in the day. But look what it says in uh, James chapter 1. My brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of any kind, consider it nothing but joy. Not really loving that scripture yet. Because you know that the testing of your faith produces endurance and let endurance have its full effect so that you may be mature, complete, lacking nothing. Endurance cannot produce itself. It cannot work itself through you unless you walk through the testing. No testing equals no endurance. In order to line yourself up with these blessings that God has for us, we have to go through the struggle. But we've got to go through it God's way. You can see that through the struggle, why, how can I consider it joy? Because I've got an opportunity for God to bless me. And God's blessing far outweighs anything that any paycheck could do, farther outweighs than anything that any pat on the back can do for me, farther outweighs than any honor or title or anything I could be given. God's blessing beats it all. So when a trial shows up, okay, God, I'm not loving this trial. However, I can know that you're with me and there is something on the other side. So let's get down to business and let's get through it. We don't want to pray, Lord, deliver me from the struggle. But pray, Lord, give me the strength to endure, to fight through, and to overcome. I'm, a con I'm more than a conqueror. 
So God, don't, don't help me miss it. I want, to, I want to go on the path that you've led me through, but strengthen me to get through it because it's hard. You're taking me the long way around. I don't know why I'd rather have gone the short way, but you obviously know that if I'd have gone the short way, I would have died. So you, out of your mercy and grace, have taken me the long way. Well, God, I pray that the long way would be shortened. Okay, I can pray that. God, I don't want to be here forever. Pharaoh was asked, how long do you want these plagues to last? How long do you want these flies? Do it tomorrow. No, not tomorrow. God, now. Do it now. I want to walk through what you're going through with me now. Again, I'm kind of saying I want the short route. I don't want the short route. I want the right route. Really, what I'm saying is I need to get back on the right track, and then I've got to trust God. I've circumvented and I've tried to go the short route. Lord, help me back on the right route. Help me have the strength. Put the right people around me to tell me when I'm acting like an idiot. And Spirit of God, lead me. You're here today and you are in the wilderness. You are not apart from God. There is nowhere you can go to separate you from God's love and from His presence. You cannot. God's too big. What I want to encourage you to do is to surrender to him. Get in his word. Ask him, what are you doing? It's a question I've been having to ask a lot here lately. God, what are you doing? I can't figure this out. And God says, you're in the wilderness. I need you to learn. I need you to learn me. I need you to get to know me again. Okay. You all stand up with me. We learn from Jesus that we meet the challenges of the wilderness by meeting God daily. And finding out what his plan is and what the will of God is for your life. Would you try to just slow down just for a second and just ask God, God, what is your will for my life? Father God, what is your will for my life? Father God, what is your will for this church? God, your word says that you are a God who speaks. And I believe if we will slow down and genuinely seek you, we're going to hear you. Your word tells us that if we will seek you, we will find you. Church, that means if you will pursue God, God will pursue you. If you will go looking for him, you will find him. If you have been struggling for answers, if you go looking to God, God's going to give you answers. He's waiting for you. He is waiting for you. Make a step in his direction. Father, I just pray right now in Jesus' name that we would surrender to your will and to your plan. That, Lord, that your word would take root in our hearts. That, God, as we've come in here probably pretty hard-hearted because the wilderness is hard and we callous up 
and many times we don't let anything in. Father, in Jesus' name, I just ask for a supernatural move to soften us and for us to receive. And God, I ask that you would just respond. God, I ask for miracles. You're the God of miracles, of signs and wonders. I pray for jobs. I pray for breakthrough. I pray for restored relationships. Father, I pray for our church. God, that you would just bless us according to your word, according to your desire. It says that it is your good pleasure to bless us. Lord, as we go on today, I just ask you, Lord, that you would just make the right relationships, that you would just give us the right opportunities. And that, Lord, as Brandon said, that we would love one another. That's what your word says. Love God and love each other. Just plead the blood of Jesus over us all. Just want to say, if you don't know Jesus as your Lord and Savior, right where you sit, Just call upon his name. Jesus, I surrender to you. Save me. Forgive me of my sins. And save me. If you've done that for the first time, I want to personally meet with you. I want you to know that when you give your life to Christ, your name is written in the Lamb's book of life, never to be blotted out. He is waiting for you. Return to him. Just ask for our greatest week this week. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you. You guys have a great week. Wednesday night, 6 o'clock, breakfast. Come out, and then we'll have small groups after. God bless you.